This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. So um, before we begin, I'll just um, share with you my name. My name is Elena Knapp. Um, I'm currently a high school teacher. I teach high school English at Battle Creek Academy in Michigan. Um, but my background is youth ministry. Um, I've been involved in public campus ministry for about 12 to 13 years before that. So teaching in a high school is a little uh, out of my norm. I'm much more comfortable working with college students, so this is semi-more comfortable than, than school. But We're going to have a word of prayer to begin, and then um, I'll share with you a little bit about um, what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we pause this morning. We thank you so much for life. I thank you especially for the privilege of your son that makes it possible for us to be alive, to be here at GYC. I thank you, Father, for teaching us. I pray, Father, that you will guide and direct our seminar today, Lord. Let us understand what your vision, what your purpose is behind public campus ministry. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the nature of this seminar leads me to believe that some of you most likely are either associated with a public university or are planning to. So just by raising of hands, how many of you are currently attending a public university or a college right now? Okay. How many of you are planning to? Okay. So a few others. Okay. Very good. Um, just, I guess, by way of um, sharing with you a little bit more about myself, um, I went back to college when I was 28. In public university, when I started working in public campus ministry in 2002 in the United States, it was very, very small. There were so few people that were doing it. And um, I realized the importance of this work as I began to meet the students at these universities and realize that there's so many young people that are coming to these universities that have never heard about Christ. And um, as I encourage students to make sacrifices for God and to really think about why they were going to school and to put God first in their studies and to take that time to, you know, go to church each Sabbath or to come out on Friday nights, I realized that I myself had never made those sacrifices. And so at age 28, I decided to go back to college and for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to start a campus ministry. And I never intended on in graduating. <laughs> God had other plans. I definitely graduated from that university. But we saw baptisms at that university. We saw lives change at that university every single year. And so I'm hoping to share a little bit with you about that and about some of the other experiences um, I've had with public campus ministry. But before we begin, I'd, I'd, I'd like to get to know you guys a little bit um, just to help me see where, maybe why you decided to come to this, this seminar and what your interest is. So I, I know that we're recording, and so um, they can edit it out if they want. But I, I would like to get to know you guys. I'm more, I'm more personal. I'm much more comfortable standing down there, but for recording purposes, I'm standing up here. So um, if we don't mind, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear where you guys are from. Um, so to say your name, where you're from, and what brought you to the seminar today. And if we'll start in the front here. With, I met Kiran and Sanne. Sante, okay. So what brought you, you guys are from India. 
which is amazing. I think you guys are the, maybe the first. Has anybody traveled? Well, I, actually, my friend here is from the Philippines. He came from the Philippines, right? Yeah, so we have India, Philippines. And what, what brought you here to the seminar this morning? What, what questions or what thoughts do you have about campus ministry? Okay, back home? Okay, so you want to start something back home. Okay, how about you guys? Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's something that I will be touching on as well because there's, especially at our university, there's a lot of international students that come from other countries that have never heard Christ. So very good. Okay, in the back. Okay. Okay. So you're at Howard, there's an established campus ministry, but you want to do something more. Okay. And a couple here. The question was, um, what brought you to the seminar and what, what kind of questions do you have about campus ministry? Okay. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Okay. So how to reach out to other campus or other schools around you. Okay. And Kelly. Okay. Good. And group in the back. Where are you guys from and what brought you here? Okay. Tennessee. Okay. So you've all kind of you've attended that that okay. Very good. And what I'm asking people to share is just where you're from and what made you decide to come to this seminar today? Colorado. Colorado. Okay, wonderful. Okay. And it's been an interesting change to get, you know, used to public campus. Yes. And also things within our church, our young adult group, like how can we reach out and like the campus is slow. Yes. Because there's not a lot of people working on that. Okay. Okay. Okay, awesome. So you're a church member there, and your church is interested in doing something in their, on the campus that's nearby. Okay, perfect. Let's move to this side, and we'll start in the back. Where are you from, and what brought you to this workshop? Okay. 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 Very good. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. Very good. And that's originally when they started UIC, that was part of the focus is that when you had a, a seminar, you could follow it through all the way. And so that's, that's good that you guys are doing that. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Okay. 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 Very good. Okay. Yes, friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. Okay. Yes. Where are you from? My name is Erica, and I'm a graduate student at Texas A&M University. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Great. Okay. Yes. Okay, awesome. Welcome. Good. Uh, my name is Matthew. I've been going to, um, I'm from Orlando, but I'm Florida. Um, I've been going to Abbott University for a while now. I'm transitioning to public university to finish my degree. So okay. Okay, very good. Go ahead. Okay. Wow, praise the Lord. Okay. Praise the Lord. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Welcome. Go ahead. Okay. Yes, and... um. Those of you that may be more familiar with um, Amicus, Amicus is an organization that was started many years ago. In the Philippines, um, many countries in Africa, they have very strongly established campus ministries that are there. The United States, unfortunately, were a little slow in there, but I definitely see things picking up here in the United States. Um, So let's go ahead and begin. So I worked with an organization for many years called Campus. How many of you guys have ever heard of Campus? A few hands. It stands for um, the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students. Um, Israel Ramos, he's the director of the program. Um, It is there as a support to students in the Michigan Conference as well as abroad and um, we have a missionary training program that trains students specifically to be missionaries to public universities. They also have a pastoral residency program. I'm not going to be talking about that today. I'm talking specifically about campus ministries, but I just wanted to share this just because that is the organization that has been in charge of this particular seminar. With this, I'm also going to share with you a couple other resources that I I want you guys to be um, aware of. Um, And if you guys want these slides, I can definitely share them with you afterwards. Um, 
So here's some additional resources. The the General Conference recently appointed the director of public campus a director of public campus ministries, which is something that, that had never happened before. Um, local conferences and unions and some divisions have appointed that, but in terms of corporately as a church, that hasn't been there, which is is such a blessing because it recognizes the need that is there to reach out to these universities. Um, and so if you are at a, a public university and you're a student, there's two different places that you can register if you want to connect with other students. There's ACF, um, which is with the NAD, um, Adventist Christian Fellowship. Um, and both through ACF as well as the public, camp, um, public campus ministry. Public campus ministry is global. Um, Adventist, uh, Adventist Christian Fellowship is um, over the um, NAD and both websites they really encourage you to um, register your student organization if you have one at your university because this will help to connect students so let's say a student from Michigan comes to Texas A&M and they're wondering oh how do I find a campus ministry our goal is that students can come to one place to find that information um, I can remember there are students that came to U of M from Kenya and so they also need something that's global. And so that's why you have um, public campus ministry through the General Conference. They have a website where they're having individual students actually register. So I just want to share those resources. The last one is Stride. That's a, they have a lot of really great resources on um, giving Bible studies. They have Bible study resources on their website, um, and Campus does as well. So I just wanted to share um, those resources with you um, as a means of getting additional information and things that you can use on your campus. Okay, going into our, our presentation for today, who do you think was the first missionary to a public university? Who was the first? What do you guys think? Paul. Paul, okay. That's a very good one. We're going to be talking about him today. Okay, who else? Daniel, yes, he was. He was definitely. Who else? There's at least two more Bible characters I can think of. In the Old Testament. Joseph, yes, Joseph. And there's one more. Same country. Moses, yes. And I'm sure there's others, but those indiv individuals especially um, w went through that educational system, and um, they had to have a different mindset. Those of you that are at a public university, your university, understand that you have many times you have to study twice as hard, because not only do you have to study the material, you're also having to study what is true. And so, as a student, you're investing a lot of time in your studies. So we're going to look at those examples today. So this is just an overview of what I'm going to be looking at today. One is the need of campus ministry. I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. Um, the work, what is it that we do in campus ministry, and the call. Who is really called to public campus ministry? So to begin with, um, just, in, just a statistic in the United States, there's 20.5 million, uh, million students that are currently enrolled in public universities in the United States currently. The population is... 323 million, I'll let you guys read the rest of the number, and that averages out to about one in six people. So that means when you're walking down the street, every sixth person you see is a student. Why is that important? A public university student often is a student, is a person that has a mind that is, is, is ready to learn. 
And that is very key in accepting the gospel and being open to receive God's word. That's one of the best assets you have to ministering to your campus is knowing that, one, they have a mind that is ready to learn. They have a mind that is, is being challenged every single day um, in their classes. And you can identify with them because you're a student or you're near that campus and you understand that. Um, another reason I think that public campus ministry is extremely needed is because of the international populations, especially in the United States. We have students that are coming here from all over the world. I'll share with you one story. There was a student that came from China, and um, she actually wasn't a student. She was a student in China, but she was coming here to do some studies. A very good friend of mine. We became very close friends. A friend of hers, she, well, she met an individual at a bus stop and who was, happened to be an Adventist Christian, and he invited her to um, come to the campus house, and this was at Michigan State University. He invited her to come. She started coming out. She was just so overwhelmed by the kindness of the students, the fellowship, the community that was there. She just just felt so welcomed, and she'd never experienced that before, and she kept coming, she kept coming, she kept coming. Well, she was baptized, and she experienced something that she never could experience back home. Recently, I, w- I had the privilege to go and visit her in China just in November of this year. And the church in China is very different than the church in the United States. Um, they don't, they're not necessarily persecuted or um, in the sense that they're gonna, doors are going to close. It's almost the exact opposite. There's just no religion. So to be religious is very unusual to some degree. And so it's a struggle for her. Um, but these are one of the reasons why I believe it's so important for us to reach these campuses because we have students that are coming to us from other countries and many times these are going to be future political leaders, future business people in their own countries. So we have this amazing opportunity to reach this population that in many ways we can't even enter as a religious organization. The other thing is is Adventist students, Adventist Christian students that attend these universities. Um, and, You'll notice that in me outlining these needs are also the demographic of students that um, you'll be reaching on these universities. You have those that are just the general population. You have um, those that are not Christian at all. They have no background with Christianity. And then you also have your Adventist students. If you ask, I, I sat in recently talking to students that are specifically taking a year out through the missionary training program. They're taking a year off, and they're wanting to minister to these universities. And I asked them a question. Who is the most difficult group of students to minister to? And they said Adventist students. And that just broke my heart, but it's true. And that's what we're finding happening. They say between 70 and 80% of Adventists attend public universities. Now, this statistic is extremely old. The, so the percentage is actually quite a bit higher. There's no research that's more recent, unfortunately, than 1992 that I know of. Um, It may be, at least that's what I found online, at least the most recent one. Um, But there may be others. I'm a little, I'm not as up to date with the information in terms of the statistics. All I know is that there's a lot of Adventists on these campuses. Um, The previous university that I was at, Michigan Tech, I'll tell you one story that breaks my heart. Um, There's a student there right now that's actually in my department at the same university that I attended. And I found out last year through um, a friend of mine who was ministering to that university happened to run into this particular student on campus. And um, she professed to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Unfortunately, 
she's not living the life of a Christian, um, meaning she's unfortunately very cynical and very unchristlike, um, and really caught up in the party scene and everything that you know a public university is associated with. And it just broke my heart because I realized she's in the exact department that I was in, in a department where I could walk into the um, head of the department and I knew he knew me on a first name basis. I could walk into any of my professor's office and talk with him. And knowing that she has come behind me and wondering what, what a dichotomy that may be between my witness and hers, you know. And so I think that's one of the challenges that we have in these public universities, that there's Adventist students there that, one, they don't want to identify as a Christian. And, it's, um, and oftentimes it's because they've been really burned. They've been very, and they're very broken. And there's just as much a need to minister to them as these other groups that I've mentioned today. Um, there's just as much a need for us to pray for them and to reach out to them as these other groups that I've mentioned today. And oftentimes we kind of put that on the outside. But when you're thinking about campus ministry, think about who are the audience that you need to reach. And these are just a few that I've outlined today. The last thing I want to mention in terms of the need is what Ellen White states. And I'm going to be sharing quite a bit from a passage. Oh, supposedly he fixed my screen, so I apologize for that. But, um, and it may be my actual slide. <laughs> um, I want to share with you, uh, I'm going to be sharing from a passage in second select. Second Selected Messages, pages 233 and 234. So those, any quotes that I have from Ellen White are going to be coming from that particular passage. Um, she shares some very practical counsel. Anytime that I got in a bind, I always would go back to this passage, or I would go back and study Paul, Moses, or Daniel. Those are the four places I would go whenever I'm, I was at a standstill, not knowing what to do, not knowing what the next step is. Those are the four places I would go. I would study those three individuals, and I would go to this particular passage. She makes the statement that it would be perfectly safe for our youth to enter the colleges of our land if they were converted every day. She continues by saying that there are those who, after becoming established and rooted ground in the word, should enter these institutions of learning as students, and particularly student missionaries, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. They can keep the living principle of truth and observe the Sabbath, and yet they will have opportunity to work for their master by dropping seeds of truth in the minds and hearts. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, these seeds will spring up. And this is it's the simplicity. There's a certain simplicity in campus ministry that I, I really want to stress here. The need is huge. When you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, he will touch your campus. It can seem overwhelming. It can seem daunting. And sometimes you may seem very, very alone. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to touch your life, he can't help but touch the lives of those around you. And that's what she's talking about here. These seeds will spring up to bear fruit for the glory of God and will result in the saving of souls. The students need not go to these institutions of learning in order to become enlightened upon theological subjects. For the teachers of the school need themselves to become Bible students. No open controversy should be started. Yet opportunity will be given to ask questions about Bible doctrines, and light will be flashed into many minds. A spirit of investigation will be aroused. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yes. This is um, Second Selected Messages, pages 233 and 234. So all the quotes will be from there. Second Selected Messages. 
page 233 and 234. However, she does speak of the danger of this work. Um, even though she says it would be perfectly safe for our youth to enter these colleges of our land, there's a caveat, and that is if they were converted every day. But if they feel at liberty to be off guard one day, that very day Satan is ready with his snares, and they, they are overcome and led to walk in false paths, forbidden paths, paths that the Lord has not cast up. Um, I'm going to share one story with you, and that is in regards to a student that was at a university in Michigan, or, yeah, at a university in Michigan. And um, I wish I can say that every single student, every single um, that has accepted this call has gone on to do great things. But I've also seen many young people that have been 100% for the Lord, been giving Bible studies, doing evangelism on their campus, have walked away from their faith. And it's because of this very thing, because they were off guard one day. And it doesn't mean that that one day all of a sudden, you know, your life is going to be terrible and some tragedy is going to happen. But it, it starts on this slippery slope. And as a result, the enemy begins to sow seeds that distract us, that um, neutralize the power of the gospel in our lives. And as a result, we not only become ineffective, but we become disillusioned by the things that we're hearing in our classes because we don't have the strength, we don't have what, it, what we need to really be able to counteract the false teachings that we're hearing. So she talks about the importance of being converted every day. She goes on to say that here is the danger of our youth. The attractions of these institutions are such, and the teachings so intermixed with error and sophistry that they cannot discern the poison of sediment mingled with the useful and precious. And this is the key, and this is why I mentioned before, as a, pub, as a, as a student, you understand that there's a difference between knowing what is true and what is useful. You have to study twice as hard because you have to find out what is right, and then you have to know what... Um, your teacher wants you to learn, right? And so you're having to make this very intricate balance. Um, so she continues, it says, um, of the sediment mingled with the useful and the precious, there is a, such an undercurrent, and it works in such a manner that many do not perceive it, but is constantly at work. Certain ideas are constantly advanced by the professors and repeated over and over, and at last the minds begin to assimilate and conform to these ideas. When you're interacting with your peers, whether it be faculty, staff, or your peers at these universities, um, there's an agenda in that mind. Um, and in, if you're familiar with postmodernism, if you're familiar with the, that mindset, um, you'll begin to see that interwoven in every single um, line of, of uh, education, of academia, whatever you're studying, you'll see that there. And so you need the Holy Spirit to be able to draw, um, draw the, the clear line between what is precious and what is error. But I want to end with this part when it talks about the need, um, this last statement. She says, I scarcely present this method of labor, for there is a danger that those who have no connection with God will place themselves in these schools. And instead of correcting error and diffusing light, will themselves be led astray. But this is a work that must be done and will be done by those that are led and taught of God. I cannot tell you how much I pray for campus ministries. 
this is probably one of the most, and this is why I'm glad that you're sitting in this seminar today. Not everyone here may be called to do campus ministry, but I'm hoping if nothing else from this seminar that you will make a commitment to pray for these universities, to pray for students that are on these universities. There is such an urgency to reach these campuses. She says it's a work that must be done and it will be done by those that are led and taught of God. Those that have a desire to do something for Christ, he will use you on these campuses. Continue, I want to talk, well, I guess in summary, there's a large population of students that need to be reached. These are the future leaders of our nation, future leaders of other countries. Many countries that are closed come here, and, and there's many counsel that is given for this work that is needed to be done. But there's also a work that needs to be done. So this is, gives you the need, but what are the practical things? What can you do on your campus? And I sense that there's quite a, a wide range of people that are here, either those who want to start something, those who have something and want to make it grow. And so I'm hoping to answer some of those things. So some of those examples we mentioned before were Paul, Daniel, Moses. And we're going to look at um, Paul to begin with. So if you have your Bibles... I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and we're going to begin reading in verses 9 and 10. And if I could have a volunteer, well, I guess we're recording, so I should read it. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 9 and 10. So we, Paul is in Ephesus. This is his second journey to Ephesus. Um, his second missionary journey, and he, um, is, he first began to speak with the Jews in the synagogue, and then he moves to this other school, and that's where we pick up in verse 9. It says, but when, but when diverse were hardened, diverse people, um, meaning the Jews that were in the synagogue, and believed not, but spake evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of Tyrannius. And he continued by the space of two years, so that all that which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. How could all those in Asia heard, hear the gospel when he was in one place for two years? All of Asia, it says, heard the gospel, but he was only in one place. He never moved from that one school. In two years, all of Asia heard the gospel. Why? Because there was people coming from all these different areas to this school. And as they heard the gospel, they took it back to the, where they lived. And the same thing can happen on our campuses. I want us to look at Paul specifically. Um, she begins by talking about each one should study to see how to get the message into the university, into the school, that the light may shine forth. But this is the interesting part. Paul makes this really interesting statement in, in second, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 and 21, where he says, I am Rome, I, for, to the Romans I am Roman, to the Jew I am Jew, and to those under the law I am under the law. And this is one of the things that 
sometimes we just want to jump in there and start something in our university. The first step is to pray for your university and to study to see how to get that message in the university. If your university is known for, let's say, research. I went to a technological university, and so it was engineering. It was mathematics. It was um, science. That was a, so it was a very brainy school, uh, meaning... I, I was a communication major. I was a minority <laughs> on the campus. It was like the ratio, I think, was like seven males to two females. It was um, very logic, reason, focus, and way of approaching things. And so with that in mind, we knew that the campus was interested in, in dialogue. They were interested in logical things and how and the reasons behind whatever. So we brought in a speaker, Subot Pandit, um, and he shared with the campus. Now, this campus that I attended only had 7,000 students. The student population of the Adventist organization was, at that time, I think six. The opening night of this series, there was over 100 people. And that pretty much so stayed through the entire series, between 70 to 100. And... It's because it met the need that was on that campus. That was something that we knew. And obviously, there was a lot of groundwork that we did as well. So think about how, how can you, what is the need on your campus? What is your campus known for? A way to find this out is going to your school's newspaper. What are, what are the things that are talked about in your, your school's newspaper? What are the majors? What is your university known for? What are the different student organizations? Research the student organizations there. Um, find out, are there other Christian organizations there? What are their focus? What are they doing? Um, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to model after that. You're, the goal is to get some research, get some foundation, understand what is the demographic, what is the audience, who is it that you're ministering to? And that is what Paul did. He understood his audience. And it's very interesting. There were some amazing miracles that were done in Ephesus, and particularly as a result of his ministry at the school of Tyrannius. It says, when you continue reading on in Acts chapter 19, that there was these amazing miracles that happened. Meaning, there was they would take handkerchiefs from Paul, aprons, and they would take them and people would be healed. Paul wouldn't even be present, but they would be healed. Why? Because there was... There was this strong superstition, there was strong idolatry that was in this nation. And so as a result of these miracles that, that took place, the people began to question what they were trusting in. And so as a result, they began to listen more to what Paul had to say. So think about this in that context. When you're ministering to your university, what is it, and pray specifically for God to provide for those needs. It may be that you don't have what is needed to reach that campus. You may not have the resources available to bring someone like Subolt Pandit, but what is something that you can do on your campus to meet the needs that are there? Um, she continues saying, I want to continue reading the quote here, let them show, and this is something you'll see in Paul, let them show that they respect all the rules and regulations of the school. The leaven will begin to work, for they can depend much more upon the power of God manifest in the lives of his children than upon any words that can be spoken. When you look at Paul's life, it's very interesting. As soon as there is opposition from the Jews, he leaves. And she says something there in a quote previous, and I'm not sure if you caught it, and so I'm, I want to mention again. She said that there should not be any controversy. You should not end into de- enter into debate with anyone. Christ never did that. 
the Bible can defend itself. Christ can, can defend itself. The most powerful influence you can have in those around you is Christ within you. As you study the word each day, as you ask for God to use you, you will be able to be an effective minister to those around you. And that leaven will begin to work. So Paul respected those rules. That's why he was able to stay for two years at this school and to be able to debate. Well, not debate, but be able to engage, begin to talk, begin to um, question maybe some of the philosophies that were commonly understood and assumed to be correct. She continues to say, but they should also tell inquirers in simple language as they can of the simple Bible doctrines. And this is sometimes students feel, or even those that are ministering on campus feel that they have to have all the right answers and be very academic in how they approach things and be able to expound upon um, with the most uh, credible vocabulary that evokes awe. But there's a simplicity in the power of the gospel when you just share the testimony of what Christ has done in your life. When you share that, it has a power on the influence of those around you that cannot be denied. Another example I wanted to talk about is the Waldenses. And this is where we get some practical things as well. The Waldenses, how many of you guys are familiar with the Waldensians? Okay, quite a few of you. Okay, good. I'll just briefly describe. The Waldensians were... um, living in a time period where there was a lot of persecution. And so, but they had a burden to share the word of God. So they would hide the word of God in their clothes. But many of these, these students, it was too dangerous to hide them in their clothes. So where they hid them? In their mind. They would memorize whole books of scripture. And then they would go to these institutions for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to be a missionary to these universities. And I want to speak to that for just one moment. Because this is, I believe, one of the greatest deterrents to being effective ministers on our campuses. And that is most of the reasons why we enter a school of learning is to get a good degree. But the reality is... There's two very important realities. One, in eternity, that degree means completely nothing. Secondly, right now what's happening in the United States, you may graduate with that degree, but very few people actually even use that degree. And I'm going to suggest to you today is that the only purpose you should go to a public university, the only purpose is to be a missionary to that university. You'll still get your degree, but not only that, you'll gain an experience that will, that will last into eternity. The Waldenses understood this, and so they entered the schools as missionaries. They had that mindset. So if you have other students on your campuses, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, wherever you are, begin praying that those students will have a missionary mindset. Sometimes that's the challenge is that you may not have the same mindset. You may not have the one-mindedness in terms of why you're there. Begin to pray. And I've seen God move in the minds of fellow Adventists, fellow Christians that don't have that missionary mindset. Um, I'll pause here and share one story. So um, this is going to be from Michigan Tech as well, where I went to school. Um, a very good friend of mine, um, he came to the, he was a student at the school, and sometimes we'd see him on Sabbath, sometimes he wouldn't. And um, mainly just because the university we were at was extremely uh, academically challenging. The retrition rate within the first semester at this university is very high. Namely, one, because the weather is very cold. We have six months of snow. 
and two, um, academically, it's extremely challenging. I mean, it's an engineering school. Um, so for him, Sabbath was a time to sleep. <laughs> he was tired, so he would sleep in and sometimes make it to church, sometimes not. But we usually could catch him in the afternoon. But he had such a gift of bringing our group together. He was very friendly. He knew how to build community. I'm like, Lord, how, how can we reach the student? Now, I know that um, I'm sharing this because I don't, I don't think he would mind me sharing. Um, within a few, within less than six months, um, we suggested for him to um, come over on Sabbath afternoon and then it always entered, entered into Sabbath evening. So in Sabbath afternoon, we'd, we'd either go hiking or we'd, and he knew all the area. So he'd take us to all these places that we had never been before. It was a very nature, there's places, there's waterfalls, there's cliffs, there's places to go hiking. And so he would take us to these places, um, the student group and some of the church members as well. And, um, and then by Saturday night, we'd, we'd hang out and play games until like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And um, we had such a great support from the local church. And I'm going to talk about the local church as well. You, it's really important for you guys to be connected with the local church. Um, and so when it comes to the student, um, he was... He was into this. He loved the social component. He loved spending time with people. And this is one thing I don't want you to forget is on your campus, ask the question, are you guys friends with each other? That seems almost odd to say, but a lot of times campus ministries, you have these two extremes. By one extreme, you'll have, um, they're so evangelistic. They're reaching out to their campus, but the students don't even like each other the Adventist students, that is. It's very hard. To, like, there's, there's such a paradox. Like, you do, those things shouldn't be, you know? But then you have the other extreme where it's, you have strong community, friends, the Adventist students love to hang out together, but there's no growth. There's no um, growth, whether it be spiritually. There's no growth in terms of membership. And so you have these two, right, um, these two extremes. So with Kevin, um, we just encouraged him to plan all the social events, and so he did that. Long story short, he's now an elder at his church, and he recently shared this powerful sermon of how that particular thing, that, um, that when he came to that university, he thought he was coming to get a degree. And he realized that that was not why he came to that university. It was not about getting a degree. And um, like I said, he's an elder at his church. He's been involved in ministry. And he challenges me in what he does. It's just so powerful to see what God can do. So when you see people on your campuses that are on the fringes, don't write them off. Because they may be a Kevin. They may be, you never know. Um, and so definitely think about how you can minister to them as well and bring them into your group. The Wildlands made no pretension, apparently paid no attention to anyone, but they lived out what they believed. They never sacrificed principle. Another student um, was a nursing student, a very extreme program where um, there was a major test that was coming up for their um, school, and all of his friends were studying. And um, his friends were like, come study with us. Because he, he was the top in his class. He was Adventist. Um, that's another, one of the best ways to do ministry is be the top of your class. 
I'm telling you, when you have good grades, students are going to want to know, okay, what are you doing? I want to learn what, I want to know um, how you study. Well, this particular student, that was his, his scenario. He also had a family. Um, and they kept texting him all day Sabbath, come study with us. You're, you're crazy. You're going to fail this test. And just giving him a really hard time because he hadn't studied on Sabbath. But he wasn't going to study. He ended up um, not studying on Sabbath, and he got the highest score on the test. And his friends just didn't understand why. And he began to share with them that he, he prayed before every time when he studied. And he would pray with them as well, but they wrote it off. But this, they began to ask those questions. So what the Waldensies, this is what they did. They just lived out what they believed, and as a result, curiosity was awakened. So you never can underestimate the power of your individual. And I'm hoping that that's the one prominent lesson that is coming out from this presentation, is the power of the individual life. So they focused, the focus was being on a missionary. They were generally unnoticed, but they were true to principle. They lived a life of Christ, and as a result, curiosity was awakened. I'm going to end with this, this call. When it comes to public campus ministry, there's three different areas. One is the students, two is the local church, and three is the, the lay members. Um, it's really important. If you're in a local church, and let's say you have no students. How many are in a local church and you have no Adventist students that are at your public university? There's no Adventist students that have come to your school. Anyone? Okay, so you do have some. Okay. This is one thing I'm going to suggest. Begin praying that God will send you students. I remember at Michigan Tech, we had, in U of M, this happened as well. We had no students, and so as a result, they ended up, um, the following year, their leadership was changing over and so they had no new leadership that was coming in it was a very critical time so the students came together and they began to pray like lord please send us students not just any students send us students that are converted that love the lord that have a missionary mindset when they did this at michigan tech which is a very small school we had eight adventist students that came at university of michigan there were 13 students that came that year when you pray there's a reason why Jesus said to pray that God will send laborers into the harvest. Because he loves to answer the prayers like that. He knows that we can't do it on our own. God wants to put us in situations where the ministry is so huge that we have to depend upon him. And that's what I see in campus ministry. The need is, is huge. And the only way that we're going to be able to really effectively reach these universities is if we're on our knees praying praying for our, our college campuses, praying for the students, and most of all, praying with our local churches. The last thing I want to share when it comes to the local church, I'm not sure why I did that, is um, collegiate Sabbath. How many of you guys have ever heard of a collegiate Sabbath? And a few of you. I was at a, um, a small church in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they would never let the pulpit go to any young person. Have you guys ever been in that situation before? Where the pulpit was guarded very jealously and they would never let someone up there. And it was, rightfully so, they were very important or very interested in making sure that what was shared was, was what was needed. Well, we approached them after about six or seven months being there, asking if the college students could take over the church, church service. And so what we did was um, we prayed and we... 
um, approached them and they let us do a collegiate Sabbath. And we were in charge of the entire service from the greeting all the way till the benediction. And um, at the benediction, the elder of the church came, and this is, if you know anything about European culture, where I'm, where this school was in Michigan, it was in um, northern part of Michigan where there's a lot of Finnish, very European culture, very stoic, very kind, but very stoic. And um, this particular elder came and shook my hand and with tears in his eyes at the end of that church service said, the church is in good hands. If you are in a situation where your church, you feel uncomfortable in bringing your friends there, begin praying for your church. When I've seen students do that, I've seen church, whole churches completely flip. So my encouragement to you is if you're on a public university campus or planning to go there, the call is for you to be a missionary, and God will use you. God needs people that are going to be praying for these universities, and God needs lay members that are willing to make an investment. So I want to close with prayer, and then I'm going to, well, yeah, I'm going to close with prayer, and then I'm going to ask some people to come up to help with question and answer, um, and I'm going to introduce some of the campus missionaries. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I believe that you have a special call on these campuses, and I believe each and every person here is um, wanting to reach out, wanting to do something, um, if nothing else, pray. And I pray, Father, that you will meet each and every student um, that's here, the needs, the questions that they have. But most of all, Father, I pray that you will send your angels, you'll send your Holy Spirit to teach us. And that ultimately, Father, that these campuses will be one for you. We thank you for this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'd like to ask Alex and Chris and my good friend Andrew. Andrew is the director of Stride in Boston. Um, Chris and Alex are, um, Alex is the alumni of campus. He just finished the missionary training program. I'll have you stand in front. I'm going to bring the mic down there. Um, Chris is currently in the missionary training program, and Andrew is um, currently doing public campus ministry in Boston. And so I'm going to have you guys just introduce yourself and why you're involved in campus ministry. I introduced you. This is Alex, Chris, Andrew. Go ahead. All right. Like she said, I'm Alex. Um, I, why am I involved in public campus ministry? Um, well, first of all, why? Because of Elena. Um, <laughs> That's not why I asked him to go. I didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> she did not. She did not. Um, definitely. I mean, there's always those key people that really are there that God puts in your way, and Elena was that for me. But also, why do I keep doing public campus ministry? Because one, it's valid and relevant, and two, because it's that's where young people are. If there's one place where young people all have in common, the common denominator is always universities, right? There's always young people at universities. You'll never find a university without young people in it. Awesome. Uh, my name's Chris, and I'm involved with public campus ministry because I want to win souls for Jesus. And what better place than to reach them on a public campus where you have thousands of students who really don't know Jesus. And you have a lot of these students who are in the, um, who come there that are from like the 1040 windows where we can't go. And so you can reach those people on the campus, study with them. They can take it back to their home. And um, it's just a really good opportunity to reach a lot of people. Awesome. Hello again, I'm Andrew Innocent in Boston. And why do campus ministries is in combination with uh, what these gentlemen said before me, but the opportunity of young people. Young people have so much energy, right? We don't want to waste it. Wait till we're like 50 and then be like, man, I wish I was active and shared Christ when I was young, 
right? And so it's really galvanizing the energy that's already there that uh, students get to see, man, God wants to use me in a special way and not just get a, pe- a very expensive piece of paper, right? But then walking away saying, man, I really didn't make an impact for Christ, for heaven. And so why I'm involved in campus ministry is to help a- our Adventist students and others discover truth in Christ and to be able to share it with their peers. So this time I'd just like to open up for any specific questions that you guys have about maybe your campus or what you're planning to do. So any questions? Yes. Yes, I haven't heard of the movie God's Not Dead. Avoided. So obviously when when the teacher is asking that question, you have to answer it, right? It's, it's, you're not, um, but think of it, the attitude behind it. When you answer that type of question, typically um, you have many different ways that you can respond, right? And so sometimes the response is, I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you, and therefore you need to listen. But at those moments, those are teachable moments, and those are opportunities for the Holy Spirit to speak. And so when a teacher gives you that question, that's the moment when, as you've had your personal devotions, as you've been praying, and you can claim those promises that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words to say at that moment, he's going to give you what to say. And so in terms of open controversy, yes, in that case— you're not inviting it. And I think that's kind of what Ellen White was suggesting is don't invite those debates. Don't invite, don't invite that attitude of I know something and you don't, so I'm going to convince you of it. Anyone else want to add? Yeah. So this past summer at MIT, we had um, evidence for belief uh, where we had Dr. Pandit, who's very well known and, and speaks on issues of faith and science, and also invited the Secular Society of MIT to provide a speaker where we could talk about, hey, what is your personal perspective as to why you believe that there is evidence for belief in God or why you believe there isn't? And so something that was made very clear as we were planning and when we started was, you know, it's not a debate, right? So from jump. So we were like, if you came here to see, you know, blood, to see swords and things like that, being, you're going to be sorely disappointed because people are sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. The atheist, the secularist, whatever, even the Christian, we've come to our decisions because we have a personal story behind it. Mm-hmm. And God is about reaching the heart, right? And so you want to speak the truth in love. And so as they presented, and uh, we made it very clear that these gentlemen are speaking from their personal experiences of how they came to their decisions, whether they believed or didn't, and that you can learn from that instead of like, oh, that was a good point. Oh, he got him there. Oh, he won that argument. You know, and it really changes the whole, the whole uh, aura, not aura, the whole atmosphere. atmosphere. Thank you. That's a good word. The whole atmosphere. And we're able to have meaningful conversations from there. Yeah, the, the principle is dialogue. Like, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. And that's, I think, the same principle whether you are corporately up front or in a interpersonal conversation. Okay, any other questions? I saw your hand first and then yours. Go ahead. Yeah, could you share some of the success 
Absolutely. Um, so I'll speak just because we're at GYC in this particular context. Chris and I, we both work. We actually stay in the same house. There's a public campus ministry house that we have in East Lansing, Michigan. Now, this is basically the hub of all the public campus work in the East Lansing area, or the Lansing area. And this year, we had a group of about 40 people, 35 to 40 people come to this GYC alone. Okay, out of those 35 to 40 people, about 15 people are non-Adventist. Non-Adventists who decided, hey, I'm going to take a, a week out of my life, a week out of my, 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 uh, my break, my vacation, my family, and all of that to come and learn about God. And these aren't just Christians. We have someone here who's from India who has expressed that she is not a Christian, right? Um, these, she is, she's a Hindu, right? This is not... Um, Sorry, yeah, okay. Oh, that's a lot better. This is not just people that are, um, that are in the same worldview as Christianity and, and all of that stuff. These are people that are very diverse in their beliefs, in their backgrounds, and they're here at this GYC. I mean, you might have seen them, you might have ate with them, you might have spoken with them and laughed with them, you know? And that's, and that's really the success that we find is that we're actually bringing them into our family, into the family of God. We're showing them, hey, we do things differently but it's a wonderful different, right? It's a very familial, it's very, it's very friendly, it's very, um, the atmosphere is just very cordial, you know? And we're not here to, to judge you, we're not here to debate with you, we're here to dialogue, we're here to talk, we're here to, you know, uh, and, and we'll let the Holy Spirit do the convincing and the convicting, we're just here to be the messengers, right? So, I mean, and, and that's just the, the success that we've had here with this GYC. Yeah, and we're also um, like a, a big success, I think, is we're connected to another ministry group on campus that's not Adventist, and we're really connected with them. Um, we go to their Bible study sometimes, a lot of open dialogue about the things we believe and what they believe, and they come to our Bible studies too in our small groups and stuff. Um, so that's been a really big thing um, as well. Uh, for us in Boston, Boston is is unique <laughs> so in a 10 mile radius you have over 80 colleges and universities so it's very dense 300,000 plus students so I mean talking about mission field if you want to be a missionary come to Boston right and work with the college students and so with that some of the challenges are that there are few Adventist students on like each campus so how do we all get together so something that uh, was started, I would say, about six, seven years ago is this um, Campus Sabbath, uh, where we have church on campus once a month, the first Sabbath of every month. And that way, students come together, and it's supposed to be evangelistic in nature. So as students are connecting with their friends, they're like, hey, come to church on campus. And so that provides, again, another atmosphere where it's not, you know, like this is too formal, like we're in a church building, you know, the unchurched and all that, but providing a space where you're bringing your friend along with you to a familiar a scene, which is college campus, but we are able to worship God in spirit and in truth, and they're able to see that. And so that's something that we found to be um, pretty successful in bringing non-Adventist friends uh, to learn about Adventism as well. Your question. Okay. Yes. Mhm. Mm okay. Okay. 
That's a really practical question. I'm going to repeat it just for the recording. That is, how can you practically find other Adventists on campus? You, it sounds like we're connected with the Adventist group almost by accident because somebody knew somebody who connected your mom with the right person. So, and this is where ACF Link and the PCM um, links are really important. We're trying to really build that community. But in the meantime, what can you do on your campus? I'll share one story. Eastern Michigan University, when they were starting campus ministry there, um, the student there, there was, we knew of one other Adventist that was at that campus, and she wanted to start something. So we decided to put, if you're Adventist, call this number all over campus. <laughs> And before we went out, we started praying. We're like, Lord, please send us the other Adventists, the other, the other students that we know on this campus. Statistically, there's a lot of Adventists that are on your campus. So we went out, started putting up flyers. We were walking through, and this is where the answer to your question is twofold. One is prayer. Um, two is doing something practical. Put posters up. Advertise about your group. Um, at University of Michigan, they had like an Adventist Awareness Week where they would have something. They would do like a health nugget. They would have a, um, they would do free massage. They would, they would have um, like a Sabbath sofa where they'd have rest. You know, they would, they would do different things each day to focus on things that were unique about Adventists and as a way of service as well to the community. So that's one idea that you can do. But get the word out there. Get, get advertisement that's out there. Find out if there's a kiosk that um, sometimes they'll have a PowerPoint where you can advertise different events and things on campus. The thing is, is be present. you got to be present on campus. Table tents. Find out if there's table tents that you can put in the cafeteria to advertise about your different organizations. The other thing is finding out if your university collects um, religious affiliation data when they enter the institution. So oftentimes the university does. Your local pastor or the president of the organization has, should be able to access that information and that contact information. That's how we found out the students were coming to Michigan Tech. That's how we found out the students were coming to the University of Michigan. Finishing the story, we walked through um, the Michigan McKinney Union at Eastern Michigan University, packed, full of people at lunchtime. We're walking through, and all of a sudden, I hear someone call my name. I don't know a soul. I've never been in this building before, ever. And so I think I'm hearing voices, right? I keep walking, and I hear my name again, and I turn around, and I see this girl coming towards me who I do not recognize. She's like, you're Elena Nabb. You're Andrea Edwards' friend. I'm like, I am. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> and come to find out she was Adventist, and she had been looking for Adventist group but didn't know where to go. She had just come back from Newbold and was really searching and looking for something. This young woman went on to um, win many of her friends to Christ, she went on to be the secretary of the youth department, is now married to one of the pastors in the Michigan Conference. Um, and she would have just gone right along with the stream of things had she not been able to be connected with the Adventist group. So those are, those are some practical things, but the biggest thing is pray. Pray that God will send you those people. Um, I think that's one of the greatest assets we have is the Holy Spirit and God. Like, you can really depend upon him. God is on that campus. He knows every single person by name. He knows their history. And when we're following God's will, when we're listening to him, he is going to lead us to those people. I'll yeah. I'll just add to that Facebook, social media. Yeah. Um, like maybe in your class, you might have uh, a group set up for class of 2020, you know, or whatever. It's crazy numbers right now yeah but anyway you know yeah and you can just put things or create a group or question whatever and just be like are there any adventists or 
and people will respond. Another funny story, uh, at uh, University of Massachusetts at Amherst, so Amherst, um, there's this one girl, she graduated, her name's Adriana. She, <laughs> she's funny. Uh, she has this personality, very go-get-it go kind of thing. She was like, I need to find Adventists on this school. Party school, all these things. She would go into the cafeterias, she'll look at people, be like, okay, no earrings, laundress. Oh, I heard vegetarian. Are you Adventist? You know, and like, so that was her personality. So she would literally like go to people, be like, are you Adventist? You know, and she found people that way. So, I mean, keep your eyes open, listen to the clues. You know, I don't eat pork, wait. Are you, are you Adventist? You know, so yeah, just be bold. And if you have paraphernalia, wear it, like your shirt. GYC shirts, whatever, yeah. the scripture shirt, you know, shirt, you'd be surprised. Whatever. Somebody walk up to me once, like, are you? I'm like, yes, I am Adventist. <laughs> How do you know? This was at a pizza shop. They're like, your shirt. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I'm Adventist. So those are some practical things as well that you can try to do. Based on the whole wearing paraphernalia, I have two stories, very quick. Um, one time I was wearing an Andrews University shirt and I walk into my local Chipotle. There's a Chipotle right across the street from our house and it's fantastic, right? And so we walk into, I walk into the Chipotle and I'm going through line and then I just hear, hey, you went to GLA. And I was like, what, who's this? And I didn't have my contacts in, so I was like half blind. So I'm like leaning over the counter trying to see who is this. And it's this young man that I knew at GLA. He got kicked out. And he was an atheist. He, was, um, he came there and he, he did some things that weren't okay. And he got kicked out. But to see him again there, it was almost like a second opportunity. Like God said, you're not done with him yet. So we exchanged contact information. And, it's, and, and that was just crazy to me. Because there was rumors flying around about him and what he's been doing. But here he was, standing right in front of me. Right? Another story is I was sitting in the Michigan State Union wearing my uh, called Chosen Faithful GYC shirt from last year. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and this guy comes up to me, are you Adventist? And I was like, yeah, actually I am. And he was like, oh, no way, da, da, da. He actually works for GYC. His name is Chad, Chad Bambrick. And he, I had never met him before, and he's a med student, and he started going to our church. Um, he just, he'd just gotten into town. So, yeah, I mean, it, that attracts people like, like moths to a light. You know, they, they see that, and they're like, whoa, this is someone that I can relate to. This is someone that's safe. You know, in a, in a college campus, people are looking for people that are safe, someone that they can relate to, someone that they can really be a friend with, right? It's, it's a very lonely place, a college campus. And so when they see that, you know, a lot of times they're just very like, wow, I want to meet that person. You know, I, I want, that's a friend, you know? So, um, yeah, wear that stuff. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Yes. Uh, we're just moving here to Houston, Texas. Okay. Part of our dream is to train up young people through cross-cross position to the refugees, to the yes. students. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because there's just thousands of them throughout. You know, 45 minutes an hour from here, there's got to be probably 10 to 20,000 international students. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just wanted to throw that out. If there's anybody here... That's from Houston. And I'm going to suggest that you check out acflink.org and pcm.adventist.org. Both of those have um, a way to register and to find out if there's students in the area. And I, I have them on the slide as well. One thing I want to share about a uh, local church. If you're in a local church, one of the best things you can do to start a campus ministry is make 
the president of the Adventist Student Organization a board position. I don't know if that makes sense. So if you have a board, obviously every local church has a board, make the position of the president in the Adventist organization a, a position on your board because what that does is it provides mentorship for that young person so they know how to interact with the local church. It also allows the local church to see the needs in, of the college students on a, a more present basis. So that's something practical you can do in the local church, but it's going to take time because you're going to have to build, um, uh, I guess, buy-in. I don't want to necessarily use political, but a lot of times local churches don't even know that that's a possibility, but that's something that we did at Houghton, and it really helped the local church to understand the needs of the students and be able to relate, with, relate to them. Okay, thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll close with one more prayer. Andrew, go ahead. Well, that's right. ACF, they do have a booth in the exhibit hall, and campus also has a booth in the exhibit hall. Um, I'll be at the camp, and Stride also has a booth in the, so any one of those, what's your booth number? 813, and we're right next door to ACF, so the 800 section. Yeah, and ours is 201, I think. It's right to the left. So you can come by, and if you have any questions, feel free to come by. So Andrew, would you close with prayer? Thank you. Sorry. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again just for the privilege to be here, Lord, and to learn at your feet. Indeed, Campus Ministries is uh, a work that needs to be done, and it must be done, Lord. And I thank you for every person that's here that wants to learn more how to be your hands and your feet on these secular campuses. Lord, there are so many hearts that are broken, so many people that, um, to use... Randy Skeet's words, you know, just feel like dirt. And Lord, you have given us a message uh, that is encouraging, that is uplifting, that is um, hopeful, Lord, of uh, a Lord that loves us so much that he died for us, Lord, and not just that, that he called, calls us his children. Mm -hmm. And so I pray that you use each and every one of us to uh, be the blessing that you have created us to be, Lord, and so that when you come, uh, there will be many uh, that will be harvested by your grace. Uh, thank you for hearing. Thank you for answering. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. One last announcement. I just, I have a um, kind of a cheat sheet of practical things you can do if you're a student, if you're a local church member, if you're a pastor, if you're a parent, if you're a staff at a university. I have a kind of a cheat sheet that of things that you can do. Um, so if you're interested in that, I'll give you my business card and just email me and I'll email it to you. It's just a Google Doc, so it's easy to access. Thanks so much. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, Visit us online at www.gycweb.org.